Well, I've probably told the story many times, but, but uh, Minister Tim, who's been with us for as long as I've been here, I first came up, we, almost nine years ago, it was nine years ago now, going on ten, I first came up to Alaska, I met Minister Tim and, and Heidi, and come on up, bro, and um, they were serving valiantly here. I think he'd came uh, with his family when he was a boy, and, and it's good to have Jose here, and bless you guys. And I was here for a period of time, and then uh, I left, and I remember Pastor Vince came and, uh, and took my place for about two, three weeks, I think it was, right? It was a, it was a little while. And I'll never forget having a conversation with, um, with Pastor Vince. Pastor Vince said, man, you know that guy, that guy Shane, which is what, what they used to call you, Shane, but your, your middle name is Shane, your first name is Timothy. And, and I said, yeah, yeah. He said, man, that guy's got leadership on him. I said, yeah. He said, man, he can play people in video games while eating a meal and beat everybody with one hand. <laughs> That's some skills right there. And you know what I believe? I believe that the Lord was preparing you to get your pilot's license to reach amen. the whole state for Jesus. Can you say amen? He's a faithful, loyal, great, great man of God. Please put your best hand clap together for Minister Tim Kaplan. Hallelujah. You guys are awesome. I think um, Pastor Vince's words originally were uh, that he, he found us. He, he discovered us. Thank you. He discovered us. Praise the <laughs> Lord. You know what's funny about that, Pastor, that word about uh, video games and flying? Um, for those of you who don't play console video games, I know it's a small amount of you. Um, there are two directions that you can play when you want to look up or look down. There's the regular way, and then there's inverted, which is like flying a plane. I've always played inverted, and people are like, you're weird, whatever. But that helps me. And when I was flying, the instructor said he's never seen somebody so comfortable with flying. He's, that's what he said to me. And so I take that word, praise the Lord. Come on, God, God, God knows what he has for us. And that, okay, that fits into the word tonight. <laughs> praise the Lord. Take your Bibles. Second Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4. And as you're turning there, if you could stand as we honor the word. It's our custom. Pastor Daniel, this is a gigantic pulpit. <clears throat> all right, are you all there? Say amen if you're there. Amen. Second Peter chapter 2, start reading in verse 4 as we read the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer, offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, 
elect, precious. And he who believes in him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the world to which to the word, excuse me, to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Let's pray. Let's pray. Now, Father, we thank you, God, for your word tonight. God, for it's a lamp unto our feet, a light upon our path. We ask, God, for revelation. Come on, ask him for revelation. Give us revelation tonight. God, our intention is to receive something from you. Impart something to us. Holy Spirit, anoint us to receive from you. I pray, God, that you'd anoint me. Holy Spirit, anoint me to preach your word. God, give me a great freedom and liberty to preach your word tonight. Touch your people. Move in power, Holy Spirit. And we thank you for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can go and be seated. One of my favorite questions to ask people and even ask myself is, who are you? Who are you? Now, once we get past the, uh, I am my job, or I, I'm a stay-at-home mom, or once we get past those things, okay, when asked, who are you, what is your answer? Oh, well, maybe you'll answer with relationships, the son of who or a married to who, you know, the different people. Okay, after that, who are you? Now, what's very interesting is many people may not like going past that to find out who they are. Who are you? Who are you? And that answer to that question is paramount to your relationship with God, how you come before him, uh, how you... Uh, um, how you'll even pray, how you study the word, every aspect, how you live out your life. You have to understand who you are. Our generation today struggles greatly with identity. Uh, so many questions today. I mean, the issue of gender in particular in the current generation is mind-blowing, that you can say that you're not a gender, that you're fluid. And when I hear those things, all I hear is a cry for understanding of who I am. Why am I here? Can I be significant? Can I be accepted? When I hear those things, that, that's what I see coming through. And so we're going to look at that question uh, tonight uh, as we go through this, this scripture of who am I? Now, as believers, as believers, when you accept Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, we come into a new identity. The scriptures say we become made new. We're a new creation. In Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we become new. When we accept Jesus into our heart, into our life, all those old things, who we used to be, it passes away. We're a new creation. In God's eyes, we've been made new. Now, what happens, though, for so many is that we do not live according to that understanding, according to that revelation. 
we uh, fall back uh, to the, the, maybe the things we used to do, uh, the, the way we used to live. Uh, we, we end up buying into the lies of the enemy concerning who we are. Listen, listen, the devil's been doing this from day one. Causing man, causing people to buy into a lie to deceive them in who they are. The very, in the very beginning, in the garden, when the serpent came to tempt Eve, it was towards her identity and relationship with God. He comes with this lie saying, if you, you know, uh, he, he says, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase. He says, did God say that if you eat this, that you'll die? Well, if you eat that, you're surely not going to die. You're not really going to die. What is that character assassination toward God? God's really trying to hold you back. Now, listen, check this out. If you actually eat this, you won't die. But you know what? You will become like God. You will become significant. When in reality, when God created Adam and Eve, when God created us, he said that he, he, he created us in his own image, in his own likeness. So what, he, what the enemy has done is he, he's come and bring a... Uh, a truth mixed with a lie and deceived Adam and Eve, and that's what he does today. He, he deceives us concerning our identity. <clears throat> Buying into the enemy, the lies, uh, enemy's lies concerning ourselves. And he says many times, and, and I've counseled different ones, uh, I remember vividly right here. A lot of things have happened to me right here. Okay? I've spent a lot of time right here for the past... Nine years, right here. Yep, yep, I can tell you. Look, if there's tear stains all around this area, that's probably from me. Um, <clears throat> but I remember right over here, there's a young man. Uh, he, he accepted the Lord, tears in his eyes. It was tremendous. I got his number. I wanted to connect with him. I gave him my number. He called me the next day because he was very troubled. Because it, he says that he felt like nothing had happened. He felt like he wasn't any different. And I began to speak to him and just relate to him. Just remember what happened last night, how you had such great peace and all these things. And we went over the, the transformation that happened, how God had, when he accepted Jesus as a savior, how everything had became new, just like we talked about. Uh, but the point I was making is that same lie I've heard many different times, that you're not any different than who you used to be. Nothing has happened. When in reality, I mean, we can't even comprehend the transformation that takes place inside when we accept Jesus. The scriptures say that we get transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We become made new. We become washed clean. Uh, and so back to the issue. You know, we can quote the scriptures on, on how God has made us new, but do you really believe it? And... One of the problems, uh, excuse me, one of the lies of the enemy is that, that he, he places uh, our identity in sin. Have you ever heard the difference between condemnation and conviction? I love this. The difference between condemnation and conviction is that condemnation places your identity in your sin. And that's what the enemy loves to do. If you lied, you're a liar. He says that is who you are. That is who you are. Why would you try and change that? You're not any better than that. You know, if you've done these different sins, stealing, whatever it is, a condemnation places your identity into that thing. Now, when we get saved, we're set free from these things, washed clean. And... 
we come then under conviction, which is when you sin, the Holy Spirit comes as our helper. And he doesn't say, that's who you are. He doesn't say, that's you, that's sin, that lie, you're a liar. That's not what happens. Conviction says, listen, son, daughter, you are greater than that. That is not who you are. God has created you to be this. Conviction doesn't place your identity in this sin, but in your Savior, in what he's, who he's called you to be. And so that's what we're going to look at. So back to our text, Second Peter. No, no, Second Peter chapter 2, right? Oh, you know what? Please forgive me. I remember when I preached this before that this is First Peter. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> so, yes, excuse me, First Peter chapter 2. If you guys were standing there going, please say something, please. I don't want people to be like, what Bible is he reading? Okay? First Peter. Chapter 2. In this, we see four aspects of our identity in God. And I would say that these four things are realities of believers. It is who we are. And so as we take a look at this, that's the perspective I want us to look at it. Number one, in verse nine, he says, but you, you, can I say it again? You, he's talking to you. When, when you read that, it's you, but you are a chosen generation. What does that mean? In church, if you've been in church for any amount of time, we can say things about ourselves that, that maybe we don't understand. Have you ever taken a look to understand what does that mean, being part of a chosen generation, to be chosen? What that means, if you look through the scriptures, is that you are not an accident. You are not an accident. You are not an accident. Whatever your parents may say, or whatever family members may say, or whatever may have, have happened in your past, the, the circumstances that brought you into the world, you're not an accident. Whether your parents intended for you to be here or not, God intended for you to be here. He chose you. He chose you. He made a conscious decision within himself that I want a relationship with that person. I'm choosing you. I'm choosing that person. Being a part of, as the scriptures say, a chosen generation is God saying that you are intended to be here. You're not a random byproduct of chemical reaction. It's God's intention for you to be here. It's God's intention for you to be here. Jeremiah 1.5, the first part of it. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That means, that means that he knows you. When I said, who are you, and we got past your job, and we got past the things you do, or your relationships, and you began to really look at maybe the issues and flaws, do you know he, he knew that about you? Maybe you've got, let me say this, um, I'm, I'm, I have, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, when you uh, procrastinate. Do you know, I believe that that, 
me say this. That can be a gift from God. Now, just like any gift from God, let me, let me, let me continue. I know you're looking at me. <laughs> just like any gift from God, it needs to be tempered, the giftings that God has given you. Uh, you know, we can have people who we call them procrastinators or they're slow about things. I'm very slow about deciding things. My pastor, Pastor Daniel, is not so much. When something needs to be done, it gets done. Now, what has happened over the years is that that has clashed at times. Where I'm still trying to think everything through. And I get that from my dad. Praise the Lord. I'm thinking everything through. And pastor's ready to go. I'm still way back here. Now, both are great gifts. Both are great gifts. Now, that doesn't, young, young people, that doesn't mean when your parents are saying you're procrastinating that you, hey, it is a gift from God. Every gift needs to be tempered. Every gift needs to be tempered. tempered. I, I, I think, I feel that I have an easier way than some, easier ability than some to wait on the Lord. I can wait, but I've also found that I can wait too long and miss when I was supposed to move. Now, the other side of the coin, from testimony from different ones, Pastor Daniel, uh, different people. We've been in a relationship for a long time, so I've heard plenty of things. There are times, right, where you move too fast for what God wanted to do. You're ready to go, and why do we got to wait? we got to do it right now. And so both things need to be tempered. Did you know God made you like that? He was intentional, intentional about you. Maybe you talk too much. One of my best friends, Mike, I love you. Mike, I love you. He's got a great gift of communication. He can just talk and talk and talk. And, and we've been together for a long time, so he knows when I say, hey, I, I just, I can't anymore. I can't anymore because I don't talk very much. And both are great gifts from God that he intended in my life, in your life, to use for a purpose. Now, let me say it one more time. Just because you understand that now doesn't mean you get to say, I don't need to fix it. I don't need to curb anything back because it's a gift from God. Well, like any gift, like I said, it needs to be trained and used properly. Amen? So God chose you. He intended for you to be here. He made you the way you are with the personality, the gift mix. You are unique by the hand of God intended to be here. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. You are intended to be here. And listen, I may sound like I'm being repetitive, but if I can look in every person's eyes and say that, so that at some point they hear that. And maybe it might not sink in until later. But there come... They, they, let me say this. Where we're ministering right now in Bristol Bay and the region down there. And, and it's the same for many of the villages here within our state. There is a, a high percentage of suicide. High percentage of abuse. And all these things. And my passion is to look in every person's eye. And have the opportunity to say, God chose you. 
You're not an accident. You're not a waste of space. He intended for you to be here. He intended for you to be on the earth right now. And not only that, I can get to my next point. Not only did he intend for you to be here, but you have a purpose. You have a purpose. You have a purpose from God to be fulfilled. I said this already, uh, you're not a waste of space. God doesn't make junk. He doesn't make things that don't, don't work. He doesn't make things that don't work. He's not into redundancy. He's not into wasting time. God doesn't waste. You are not a... Let's just, uh, you know, God's not in the... Um, you know, what's the, the person making room, dumping some different chemicals together. Let's see what comes out and if it's good or, or not. Let's see if uh, maybe this one will be good for doing things and, and this one. That's not how it works. God intended before you were born and said, oh, oh I, I love you. I can't. Uh, you know, I wonder if, if uh, the angels were able to kind of see the process. Probably not. But this is how I think about it. Just God saying, look, look can you see what this person's going to be? How, how they're going to operate, the personality, the giftings, and, and all the things that I want to do through them and with them. That's the heart of God. So when we read the scripture that we're chosen generation, that is who you are, handpicked by God. Oh, I'm not that special. You are that special. Handpicked. I want this person to be there. I, I love them. I love them. Look at this. They're amazing. That's you. That's you. There's people right now looking down at their feet because they can't believe it because it's just too much. How could someone think about me like that? Well, God thinks about you. you. This is you. You're awesome. Is there a clock around here? Oh, I see it now. It got moved since the last time I was here. All right. The second aspect, I got to keep rolling here. So we went through chosen generation. Continue on, verse 9 a royal priesthood. Now, this is another thing that I've quoted, I've said about myself. I'm a royal priesthood, and I never not thought about what I was talking about. It just sounds good, right? I'm part of a royal priesthood. What does that even mean? Well, if you look in scripture, the, the priesthood, amazing. Amazing. The priests were given privilege and responsibility. Four specific things I want to point out. Number one, they reflected the holiness of God. And so their life would be a a reflection of his holiness. That's who we're supposed to be. We're called to be a reflection of the holiness of God. Uh, Also to offer spiritual sacrifices. They were to offer sacrifices in the Old Testament for the people, for, for sins, for, for different things. They would offer sacrifices before the Lord. That's what we get to do. As part of a priesthood, we have the privilege and responsibility to come before God with our offerings, with our seed, with, with gifts, with prayers, with, with uh, intercession. That's uh, the intention, part of the intention of the priesthood. And we come into that, into that responsibility and privilege. The priesthood, they were the only ones that were allowed to go in before the, the uh, um, Ark of the Covenant before, into the inner courts and to bring sacrifices, to burn incense. incense. And God calls us to do the same thing. We, we intercede for others. And not only that, they represented God before the world. 
We represent God before the world as a royal priesthood. Now, just as the priesthood, right, we get privilege and responsibility, we can come before God. But royal priesthood? What is that? What is the royal priesthood? Have you ever, you know, we don't have kings or anything in our country, but have you ever seen kings on video in another country, on TV or whatever? They walk a certain way. They talk a certain way. They know that when they walk, when they talk, they represent their kingdom. When people see them, they see their kingdom. As a believer, part of a royal priesthood, when you walk, you represent a kingdom, the kingdom of God. When you go to work, oh, royal priesthood, you represent the kingdom of God. When you're, in, when you're driving on these roads and want to pull out in front of other people, hey, you represent the kingdom of God. When you walk into a situation... People are sick. People are hurting. It's not just you. I don't know if I should pray for them. I don't know. I'm just me. Uh, who am I? Who, how, how can I do that? What happened to the royal priesthood? Oh, I have the authority because of the privilege and responsibility given to me to come into this situation and Take authority and pray for that person. Whatever the issue may be, that's the, the difference in perspective. So not just a, just a priesthood, but a royal priesthood, people of royalty. Next point, because i got to hurry up. Uh, number three, holy nation. Deuteronomy 7. I want you to look at this. Just go ahead and turn there. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. God calls his people. You know, it's amazing he didn't have to call them on their cell phone, yeah. right? He would just light a bush on fire or do a pillar of cloud or set a whole mountain on fire, these different things. But in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, he says to them, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. You are a holy people to the Lord your God. A scripture I was stuck on for a while is where God speaks to us and he says, be holy for I'm holy. Have you ever had trouble with that? My perspective was God way up somewhere. You be holy for I'm holy or I will smite you. That, that's the perspective I had. And God came and spoke to me and, and changed that perspective. He said to me, it, it's not that it's not like that, that it's, I can be holy because he's holy. Be holy because I'm holy. Because his spirit is within us. When we get saved, because his spirit is within us and his spirit is holy, we can be holy. It's not something out of our grasp because of our fallen human nature. When we get saved and are filled with his spirit, his character becomes our character. That holiness becomes our holiness. We, we have that holiness within us. So he says, you can be holy because of my holiness. Not something that you can achieve, not something that you can work off or say all these different 
something, you come to me and I holiness becomes your holiness. One of my favorite things is where we're weak and we lean upon him, we become strong. You know how weak we are to attain our own holiness? I can't do it. I can't do it. Now, if there was a way to do it, Jesus wouldn't have died on the cross. But because he did, because he died upon the cross, as our substitute, because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, and so our sin required blood, required a sacrifice. And so because Jesus took that place, our place, died upon the cross for our sins, and we accept him, we no longer... uh, have to try to attain the unattainable. We receive what's been purchased. Do you know what's amazing? You can't buy a gift from God. Now, you can't buy a gift from God. I thought that's what tithing is. No, tithing's obedience. You're not buying something from God. I think if you could buy things from God, the church would have a whole lot more money. <laughs> but you can't buy a gift from God. You can't buy anything from God. It can only be received. So he calls you a holy nation. You can be holy. Say, I can be holy. Number four. I'm almost done. I promised myself and I'll promise you that I'll only preach as long as I preach for. The fourth aspect, real quickly tonight. We said, but in verse nine, as you're following along, it says, but you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, A holy nation, check this out, his own special people. His, what is that? His own special people. In this continuation of Deuteronomy 7, 6, it says, The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Do you know what that means? You are a special treasure. You ever thought of yourself like that? I know men were like, no, I don't want to be a special treasure. Yeah, yeah, you know what? You know what? I don't have to pretend to be manly for anybody. I'm over 30 now. I've got, I've got five kids. I ain't got to pretend for anybody. I deal with more poop in a day than most people. And so do you know what? I love being his special treasure. Back to how we talked about he he formed us, you know, before the foundation of the earth, that special treasure. I, I just picture his tremendous love for me and for you. Do you know I've said this many times that I'm his favorite, but you're his favorite. But now, if everybody's his favorite, is anybody his favorite? If everybody's special, is, is, is anybody special? Let me tell you something. Can you guys come here? My kids, come here. Esley and Judah, come here real quick. Come here. Come here. We had Esley. She's seven today. Somehow, she's seven. We had her. I remember... The joy, how amazing, the love, the love for her. 
And then we got pregnant. Heidi got pregnant. Judah. And I just, I would go, God, how can I love someone as much as I love my daughter? I, I know that I can't do favorites. I know that I can't fa- have a favorite. I, I know what I need to do, but I just don't understand how I can love someone as much as I love Esley. But then we had Judah, and he's so amazing and so different that I can't love him the way I love her because they're so unique. And then Jonathan, who can stand here and eat an apple in front of all you people. (laughs) He's so awesome. He's so awesome. And there's not one of my kids to Janessa, to Samuel, that I can love more than the other because they're so uniquely made and wonderful. And that's how God sees you right now. Thank you. Thank you, kids. Good job. Good job. That's how he sees you. And when he showed me that, oh, I was just blown away that he loves me that much, that, that I can be special. And you can be special because we're different and he made us for a purpose. He chose, He picked you out. I, I, want, I want that one in my life. I want that one. I want, I want his love. I want, I want her praise. I want, I want all these things. I want that relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you. That's what he's looking for. You are his special treasure. Accept it tonight. You are his special treasure. God's speaking to us tonight. Listen, find out who you are. If you're struggling tonight with understanding who you are, finding out who you are, maybe when you begin to think who you are, you you don't want to see that. The enemy wants you to think that you're a loser. Do you know why? Because you're powerful. Because you've got purpose. Because when God created you, he said, I want him, I want her to do something amazing for me. So what the enemy wants to do is get you to think, I can't do anything for God. Who am I? I've got all these problems. I talk too much. I don't talk enough. God has created you on purpose to do something tremendous for him. So find out who you are. Ask for revelation. Get in your word. Begin to study the word. Begin to seek the Lord. Begin to seek the Lord. And then live according to who God says you are. We deal with so many broken people that you know I, I love to preach this word when God gave me this specific word I think in a week I preached it five times only one time in the church because there was so much need for it everywhere I turned someone needed to hear that and I say I preached it five times that means the, pretty much the full message there are other times where it's just one short thing in a week Because I would run across people that 
I could see the intention of God within their life and how much God wanted to use them and how much he loved them. But they, 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 their perspective of themselves was, fell so far short that they, they couldn't. I, I know people that, that I've been trying to get into the doors of the church, but they can't get they, they have not been able to come in because of their perspective of themselves. God couldn't accept me. God couldn't accept me. God, there's no way because of the things I've done that God would accept me. And these are our lies that the enemy comes to, brings to, to change our perspective and our, and our identity. Praise the Lord. Can I have somebody play, Pastor Alex? Hallelujah. You know, let me just share part of my testimony. People ask me, how did you get to where you are? In ministry, people ask me because they, you know, they want to know. My answer is short. I showed up. I showed up. And I begin to find out that if I just show up, let God be God, and allow myself to begin to believe that He wants to use me. Then he begins to release this anointing. Do you know me preaching in front of you right now is a miracle? I grew up in a very small village, and many of you have heard this. 75 people. I think it's 50 now. I had difficulty in moving out, and I still at times deal with it, being able to talk to people. I couldn't believe it. People can just go and talk to somebody else they don't know. And you might not be able to understand this, but I could never do that. And so how is God going to use me as a preacher? How? How? I told John Harkey that. He said, that's a miracle. Prophet Harkey. I said, yeah, it's a miracle. Do you know what he wants to do with you? You know, when I asked, and I'll, I'll end with this because we're getting late. When I asked, who are you? I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many of you didn't like the answer? I don't know. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I don't, it's okay. It's okay with you did, but don't raise your hand. You know those gaps where you don't like what you see? I love this. When... Moses is talking to God in the burning bush. And he says, Moses says, okay, I'll go. You're sending me, I'll go. Who do I say sent me? He says, I am that I am, right? God says, tell them I am that I am. When Jesus was asked who he was in the, in, in, uh, the garden, he says, I am, and just flattens everybody there because of the power of that statement. What God revealed to me is that when what needs to happen is beyond my ability, I am. The gap, I am. When my sinful nature 
hindered me from salvation. I am. He, he became where my weakness caused me to fall short. When I don't have enough to do what he's called me to do. What he's spoken to me to do. I am. He is. He is that. When he says I am, that gap, whatever is needed, whatever provision, whatever healing, he is. That is who he is. That is what he does. This is what he does. Be encouraged tonight. He's called you. You're not here by accident. He's chosen you. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. One more story real quickly. It's from the Bible, so it's going to be good. They were crossing. The disciples and Jesus were crossing over this lake. And a storm came up. Jesus was asleep in the boat. These guys are fishermen, but they're starting to freak out. They've been on the water before. This must really be a storm. And uh, they go and wake up Jesus. Teacher, teacher, don't you know we're going to die? Don't you realize that we're going to go down? You have little faith. And Just paraphrasing here. Goes to the front of the boat and commands the wind and the waves to be still. Be still. Understand tonight that if he's called you across the water, he's going to sustain you to the other side. He didn't call you. He didn't create you. He didn't choose you to crash and burn. If he's called you to it, he'll see you through it. If he's called you to it, he'll see you through it. And if you're on the journey doing what he's told you to do, and there's a wall in the way, you better stick close to Jesus so you can make it through the Jesus size hole he's going to blow through that wall. Because if he's called you to do it, and he's created you, and you're his special treasure, then he's going to sustain you all the way home. And now real quickly tonight, if you heard what I'm talking about, but maybe you haven't taken the step to accepting Jesus as your Savior. And you've heard these things. And you want to move into that relationship with him. I'm going to give you opportunity to do that. Listen. If you were the only one. In the world. Jesus still would have died for you. Because he loves you. If you never. Listen. I love John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Even for people that would never accept him. He gave the opportunity. Why would you do that, God? Because I love you. So there is an opportunity right now. It's knocking on the door of your heart to begin this wonderful relationship with a loving God who has created you for a purpose, who treasures you. And this is your moment. So real quickly, I could have you just stand up on your feet just for a moment. We're not going to take long. It's all right, Pastor. Good. If I could have everybody just bow your head, close your eyes for a moment. What am I going to do? Is I'm going to count to three. And if you've never accepted Jesus in your heart to be your Lord and to be your Savior, I'm going to count to three. I want you to lift your hands. Secondly, maybe you've asked him into your life before. 
but you've fallen away, you've backslidden. Whatever you want to call it, you're away from God tonight and you know it. I'm going to give you opportunity. I'm going to count to three. I want you to raise your hand. And thirdly, if you just want to make sure that if you die today, God forbid, but if you died today, you'd end up in heaven. You need to know for sure. If you fall into any of those categories tonight, I'm going to count to three. Nobody's looking around. I want you to, this is, I want you to raise your hand. This is your time. This is your time. So if that's you, whether for the first time or a recommitment, I want you to lift your hands. One, two, three. Go and lift those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Anybody else? Come on, this is your moment. He's looking for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You can put those hands down. I'm going to pray a prayer just real quickly. What I want you to do is repeat after me. Whether you raised your hand or not tonight, I want you to repeat after me. I want you to say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins and rising again from the grave. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Let me pray for you real quickly. Father, I thank you for your people. God, those who've chosen you tonight, God, I thank you that the angels are rejoicing in heaven over those decisions. Lord, I pray right now that you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill them right now. Give them a passion for your word, a passion for prayer, the things of you. Lord God, if they're not part of a church, that they would find a a, a godly church that preaches your word. God, touch them, bless them, fill them even now, Lord. And I thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, just continue to pray. Come on, continue to pray. Lift your, lift your hands and lift your voice before the throne today. The Holy Spirit, come. There's a number of people you're here. You've got neck problems, neck pain. If you have a problem, if you have a pain in the neck, a pain in your neck, just, just step out into the aisle. Just step into the aisle. You need healing in your neck. There's at least five or six people. You have a problem with your neck. Some, there's at least one or two of you diagnosed with problems with your neck. Come on, we're going to believe God right now. Come on, just step right into the aisle. Just step right into the aisle. Right where you are. Just slide. You don't have to come up front. Just slide right into the aisle. You're good. Come on, God's a miracle worker. All right, where's your hand? Who are we praying for? Where are you at? All right, good. Stay right there. Just stay right there. You're good right there. God's a healer. Also, a number of people, sciatic problems, especially the right, going down the right leg. You have a problem, you lie down at night, you're having a hard time sleeping. Move into, where are you? Where's that sciatic nerve issue? All right, maybe we get a neck and sciatic tonight. Glory to God. All right, where else? You got a sciatic problem. All right, good. You in the, you in the aisle? All right, we're going to believe God for that. There's somebody here who's got a bruised heel. It's like your heel is bruised, both either right or left side, or maybe even both. It's like a, it's a tender heel. Just slip into the into the aisle right now. All right, all right. Lift your hands to heaven. Come on, we're gonna pray right now, just for healing right now. Lord, in Jesus' name, we stand as your precious people, as the 
royal priesthood. We stand and we agree right now for this infirmity, every pain, every neck problem, even diagnosed right now, Lord would go right now. Release your healing touch right now. Neck be healed. Neck be healed. That sciatic nerve, the pressure on that lifting right off. In Jesus' name, Lord, release your healing touch. Release your healing touch, God. Healing, healing. Like hot oil just being poured over these right now. In the name of Jesus, healed and whole. Healed and whole. Healed and whole in Jesus' name. Healed and whole. Thank you. Thank you for the miracles of healing that you're releasing right now. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Holy Spirit, touch, heal, be healed, pain go. If you have any kind of sickness and you're just believing for healing, come on, just believe right now. Holy Spirit, that's it. That's it. Three, two, heal. Jesus, do it. There you go, just slide back and take a seat. There you go, Father, Jesus, thanks. All pain leaving your body. It's leaving your body right now. Lord, thank you. Momentary light affliction is working for you a far exceeding weight of glory. Lord, thank you. Let your touch come. Come on, just reach up. Receive right now. Healing. Healing in the name of Jesus. Pain go. Healing flow. That heal problem being healed right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus for what he's doing, won't you? Would you be seated for just a moment? We're going to give you the opportunity tonight to give into the work there in Bristol, Bristol Bay. KC Bristol Bay. Ushers, would you help us please? If you want to give, just uh, let the ushers make them aware. They'll bring an envelope. Let's give and and see that work move forward. Praise God. Laverne, thank you for finding that building for us. Laverne was a real estate person that helped us find the church building that we're in. I think you were living in Anchorage at the time. Amen. And you, God brought you out here, and we're glad he did. That's your hometown. Laverne grew up in King Salmon, right? Yeah. We're glad you and your husband are here. Good word, Minister Tim. The Capos. Sure love you guys. What a blessing. Happy birthday, sweetheart. Happy birthday to you. We're all family here. We believe that that's how it should be. All right, as soon as the ushers are ready, you guys, you ready? All right, would you come? Father, we thank and praise you for what you're doing, Lord, in King Salmon, Knack Knack, Bristol Bay. And we thank and praise you for the capos. And Lord, as we sow a seed tonight, I pray that you would uh, cause it to multiply many times over. The reason, the purpose for which you've planted us there, you would help us to see that fulfilled, Lord, in reaching these areas, Lord, all around there. 
Iggy Gig, God. Different villages. Lord, you'd help us to fulfill what you've called us to do. I'm reminded, God, when we're in that revival meeting, and all the faces of all the people of Alaska came before you. You've burned them on his heart. God, you raised him up. And you're using him to raise up others. Lord, thank you. And I'm reminded again about Puerto Rico. Lord, help us to put a work in Puerto Rico. According to your plan and your will. God, thank you for Alaska and thank you for the capos and what you're doing there that they've given their lives, Lord, to to really being missionaries in that land. Give us a great harvest and multiply this gift and the giver as well as to the giver in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, go ahead. with us. word. Amen. If we don't get to see you, happy Thanksgiving to you. Uh, if you're able to come Wednesday night and be preaching a special message on Thanksgiving, it's going to be a great, great week. Amen. God before us, who can be against us? What a mighty God we serve. Put your hands together for Jesus one more time.
And I just want to acknowledge uh, Greg Dean. Greg was here with his whole family this morning. And forgive me for not saying hi to you in front of everybody. They were part of the church for, for a number of years. And uh, in fact, his wife and my whole family flew in on the same airplane some nine years ago when they first moved here from Hawaii. And, and uh, Greg, it's just good to see you because we almost lost you. Really went through quite a trial with your motorcycle accident and all that. And we just love you. It's good to see you tonight. Praise God. Take someone by the hand. Let's close. Pastor Vince, would you come and close us in prayer tonight? Don't miss Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Minister to the whole family. Youth are at the barn. All right? Everybody else, we're all over here. They're having a Thanksgiving party. Isn't that right? Mike, I got that right? All right, good. 7 o'clock at the barn. Wonderful. Pastor Vince, would you close us tonight? Father, we just thank you for the wonderful word, Lord, that came forth, Lord. From Minister Tim, we thank you, God, for your ministry, Lord, and in in health, Lord, and signs and wonders, God, and in healing, Father. We thank you, Lord, for us being encouraged tonight, Lord, that we're special to you, God, that we we're uniquely, wonderfully, and fearfully made. We're special in your sight, Lord, and we pray, Lord, that we will be able to impart that. To every man, woman, and child that come across our paths, Lord. That we be your ambassadors, Lord. I pray for your traveling mercies, Lord, on all that are here, Lord. That they will safely arrive at their destination. Full of joy. Full of life. Full of the anointing. I pray your blessing over this people, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. See you Wednesday night.